Shallowy driving it toward the back post for Zussi, who puts it back across, and Shelton slots it home! Zussi can have a hit from here, he does, and Graham Zussi re-elect! Graham Zussi! Shallowy knocks it in! The Hungarian assassin has given Sporting KC the lead! It's Russell! This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Enjoy a Michelob Ultra today. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And by Casey's own CBD American Shaman. Score yourself free samples of great all-natural CBD products at a CBD American Shaman near you. CBD American Shaman. Everything is better with the feather. Now your host, Nate Bucati. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you stream your video content. We like you listening and watching and we want you to tell your friends. So subscribe and like and uh, and write a review if you want to and, uh, and, and buy yourself some Michelob Ultra while you're at it because we're presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk with Sporting Kansas City goalkeeper Tim Melia. We'll review the game in Vancouver from Sporting Kansas City last weekend. We might talk a little bit about the World Cup draw, and we'll preview a big match coming up against Nashville on the weekend as Sporting Kansas City finally return home to Children's Mercy Park for just the third home game of the season. Joined, as always, by Allie Trost to my left. Allie, how are you? I'm great, Nate. And, it's a windy uh, day, though. It's right. It is a windy day. We were standing outside, and this is where you're thankful you have short hair because long hair was uh, whipping all over the place. I won't reenact it. <laughs> Just, I gave it a that? sound effect yeah. uh, before we started. We'll give uh, you the opportunity right you now if what? you want to. You're going to pass? I don't know if people need to hear uh, that. Okay, maybe. Um, we're out of the wind now, and we are joined by uh, Jacob Peterson, who at one time would have been very bothered by that uh, by that wind with your long hair, but you got the short. Are we going to talk it's, ponytails together? Yeah, it's actually worse now, now that I don't have it in the bun. Because oh, you can now just tie it way, up then. Yeah, yeah, now it's way worse. But uh, hey, congrats as a KU yeah. grad and a fan. I want to say congratulations, Nate. Thank and to Jordan much. Burrell behind the camera. Yeah, Jordan Burrell's Jayhawk. Um, I, we both, the two of us, worked very hard. Uh, to make it you happen, did. You um, did. we we sacrificed a lot. I actually kind of did sacrifice a lot to get there, but I got to go to the game. Um, I was actually telling Allie this. Thank you for saying that. Um, it's awesome watching your school win a national championship, and it was really fun. But I didn't have anything to do with it. I I cheered. Uh, you know, I had a good time, and I celebrated, and it was great to see friends and people that I have a connection with. But like being here, um, when Sporting Kansas City wins. Even though I'm not on the field, I'm invested. You know, like I'm here. I, I, I put time and energy and relationships into this. So it means more. And I will say that. Like as a fan, it's really cool to go watch the team you cheer for win. But um, it, it's not anywhere near what it's like when you're part of something that you, you know, that you support. So well, And Peter Vermees is a Jayhawk fan. So yeah, I didn't know this. Go. His son went there. So yeah. he was uh, very yeah. happy about the win. I asked him about that yesterday. So right, well, let's transition this because uh, – I was telling Allie this as well before the game. This Kansas basketball team this year had problems at times. Um, they had issues. I even thought going into the Big 12 tournament, this doesn't look to me like a national championship type team. I've seen teams that Bill Self and Kansas have had in the past that maybe had more athleticism or, or more uh, top-end talent in terms of lottery picks and things like that, maybe uh, more momentum going into the postseason and all those things. This team didn't look like that type of team to me. A couple guys got going, a little chemistry got developed, a couple breaks fell their way, and they won a national championship. And it's like where we are early in this Sporting Kansas City season, things aren't clicking right now. You see pieces. Um, there's frustration because the results, especially away from home, haven't been there yet. And I'm just mindful of the fact that so much can change and evolve and develop between now and MLS Cup. And we've last year's team, I was convinced that team was capable of win, winning MLS Cup. And I think they were. It didn't happen. It doesn't always work out that way. So this, this team, this sporting Kansas City team, can we – see them put uh, let's not talk about MLS Cup yet but it just in terms of putting things together and getting things going in the right direction where are we 
Well, we're six games in, right? Yeah. And I think it's such a long season. We know this. Uh, it doesn't matter if you start. I mean, the the season that in 2012 when we started seven and zero. Yeah, we won the Open Cup that year, but we didn't win MLS Cup. We still lost. Um, next year we won, which was good, but you can't really tell much. And I've said this, you guys know from the get-go, no matter what, even if we were 6-0 and right now, I would say, hey, we got to wait until we're about 10 to 12 games in is when you kind of can fully see what these teams are, are capable of. But then, of course, you have the summer transfer window and teams can make moves then so it's a long season but I think most importantly for sporting is they're getting guys back healthy I think that's the number one thing and when you have all these injuries especially on the attacking end early on in the season because the attacking part of the game is the last thing to come then when you get injuries in that area of the field this early in the season, it, it's almost like you're starting completely over again from scratch, from back in preseason. Now, fortunately, the what you would presume is the starting three, Kyrie, uh, Johnny, and Daniel have been here before. They know the, the system, but it still takes time to, to get that rhythm. Um, so I think it's coming together. Obviously, the game in Vancouver didn't create a whole lot going forward, but I think the 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 – most important thing for me is that they didn't give up anything. And, and yes, they gave up a fluky goal, but that game had 0-0 written all over it. And, and yeah. that's, that is mm-hmm. that is that is 100% fine in MLS as the road team. I know that, sure, all the players want to go out there and win 3-0 on the road, like they did a few times last year, right? And every fan who's watching that game is, is frustrated because they're like, oh, I want, I want them to go forward more, create more. But I'm telling you, it is actually – almost good when you have these type of performances on the road where it's, hey, maybe we're not at our, at our best going forward, but we're not going to give up anything. It yeah. doesn't matter who the team is. And, and I talked about it last week. That place is hard. It's a hard place to go to. It doesn't matter what their record is. It, it's a difficult place to go up there. And the fact that they didn't give up any, really, any opportunities yeah. that whole game, to me, that's something that you can build off of. And, and even going back to the to the Chicago game on the road, I thought that, they really didn't give up any 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 big chances in that game. It was just those individual mistakes. So those are good, positive steps going forward. Zero points to show for it, so that's not good. But to me, it is so early. But you're starting to see the building blocks and what this team is putting down as their foundation to build forward on. So I'm not concerned. I think there were a lot of good things. Yes, we want to create more chances, no doubt about that. But as far as the defensive mindset of this team – I think it has improved over the, the the past few weeks. Yeah, and like Kyrie told me after the game, he said it's going to come together. It always does with this team. Like There is that belief and that confidence within the group as well, and I believe that and see that in talking to guys. But, Jacob, as you were talking about that 10-12 to 12 game assessment kind of period, given the injuries that this team has gone through, do you move that back? Because it does take so much longer for the final third to come together, and when you have so many of those injuries in that part of the field and in that part of the game does that change at all for you where this team can maybe rightfully be assessed ask me again when we're at yeah i guess we're moving the goal if you win if you win out in the next you know four games um i i think it could but i think i think you still know by that that kind of general time frame what's the direction of the team yeah now it might not be you might not be getting maximum points that you want to get at that point but like I said, if you are seeing the team taking steps forward week in and week out, and maybe some games there's hiccups where you have a bad game on the weekend. But if you see those ideas being adapted and understood in trainings every single day, uh, which the coaching staff obviously sees that, then you're on the, on the, the right, in the right direction. Um, so I don't think that – I think you'll still kind of know by that point. Uh, of course, you want the results to, to start going your way then. Um, but I do think that as long as the the snowball's picking up momentum going down the hill, that, then I think that that team will be okay. One of the developments in that game against Vancouver as well was that Uri came back and played the first half of the game. What did you make of his performance? And I'm assuming we're hoping that uh, they can expand that a little bit coming into this game this weekend. Yeah, most important thing is he got through it mm-hmm. without without re-injury. Uh, I've, I told you guys I, I'm so – nervous about hamstrings in that first game back 
yeah. because they are an injury where you see it so often where it's, hey, you, you might have a grade one uh, pull in, in your hamstring, but you give it two to three weeks uh, of rest and then you come back and then it, it might be in the 40th minute of that first half where it's fatigued, it's tired. You can't emulate that no matter how much fitness you do uh, out on the training field. You can't emulate that, especially on turf, just the strain that it takes, the toll that it takes on your body. So it was great to see him get through that. That's first and foremost. I thought their plan was excellent. Go 45 minutes, take him out, and then we'll reassess, like you said, hopefully get more minutes here against Nashville. But I think getting through that was big thing and two for Uri he'll feel more comfortable he'll feel more confident uh I mean I'm sitting there every time he making a long sprint you know I'm like oh I get I get a little because it's happened to me personally yeah. so I know yeah. I know how that is when you're out there playing I'm sure he's not thinking about it yeah. at all but for me watching it uh, I'm just like holding my breath like get through it get through it he did which is great too which was right like, that was um which crazy I could tell watching that it was bad turf but but I also have talked to players who said it was it was not great, which you could tell just how kind of some. I said the turf monster comes out and gets you. Yep. Where you 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 think that you're when you're playing on grass, you can take a touch. You know exactly where that touch is going to go. You don't have to look down at the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, on the turf, it rolls different. It kind of goes like a zigzag type of thing, so you almost trip over the ball. So it looks like hey, what are you doing? You don't know how to dribble a soccer ball, but it's because at this level, nobody's looking down when they're dribbling now. And the turf just throws in all sorts mm-hmm. of wrinkles there. So I think, though, it was great that Uri got through that. And I thought he was good. I thought he was good moving the ball, covered good distance. Um, like I said, I think his ceiling is so high. I think he's such a good player. And he just needs to stay healthy. If he can do that, I'll reiterate, I really do believe that he is one of the best number sixes in the league, if not the best number six. Right, we're visiting with that. Jacob Peterson and Allie Trost here as we uh, as we start this Sporting Kansas City show. I want to transition a little bit before we have Tim Milia come on the show because uh, we're going to get to the Nashville SC game coming up later on. World Cup draw came out on Friday. We were all kind of sitting around watching this thing. Um, Allie, I'm going to start with you. What did you think, uh, first of all, of the show <laughs> itself of the uh, of the World Cup draw? So I'll admit I didn't get a chance to like actually watch the show. I was following along on my phone because I was – Going from we traveled to Vancouver that oh, day, so right. I was coming from training, trying to get back downtown to get all my stuff and you know get to the airport. So I didn't get a chance to watch the show. So I'm interested you're to lucky. see what your takeaways are. Um, but I mean, I think the number one thing is you know the England game. Like I, that was just I, I'm so excited about that matchup. Um, you know, Iran's going to be a tough team, and then you know the the team's in a little bit of a tough spot, not knowing who that that third opponent is. But Greg Berhalter said it. Look, we were in a tight window with. The, the qualifiers, so it's something that they're used to, uh, preparing on a short timeline for you know an unknown. Um, but look, I, I just I'm excited for us to get started. I, it's we've all been waiting for this. Now they've qualified. That part's out of the way. Now the fun starts. Just just pick the teams. The, the whole show is just so ridiculous I, to me. And I get it. They have to do this, but man, just, do they? So I'm assuming they. It was. Dragging it's, a little it, bit. It dragged on. Oh, and it was, on it was and torture. On. It was absolute torture. I mean, and the thing about it is, like you said, I, I, we were talking about the NCAA tournament a second ago. They finally figured out with the selection committee show. Let's start. Let's start right now. You can break it up a little bit if you want to. I mean, they go, they want to try to create an hour worth of content. Okay, fine. But start the draw right away and let's get to it and maybe then you can have a little time to analyze it or whatever but we're watching singing and dancing and a weird thing with the mascot flying all over the place and talking and all these things and the whole time you're just going what is and and the, the thing to me is all you're doing is creating resentment like the little mascot looks cute. It looks like a cool thing, and it had a story behind See, it. See, I didn't know about any of this. Yeah, tell the story of the mascot at some point in time. All you're doing is make me hate that mascot right now. You're not making anybody like that mascot. You're making everybody go, I hate that mascot. I want him off the Get screen right off. now because I want to see who's in the world, like who's playing right. Like you're not doing, you're not creating any positive <laughs> thoughts about these things at all. Do that. Maybe find a way to, to work that in at a time when everybody's not so anxious to find out who's right. going to be, you know, who's going to be playing where. Right. But it's FIFA, so you know that you're <laughs> going to get something over the top. Um, but to to <laughs> talk about the draw itself, yes, I I do agree. 
I mean, there were easier groups. I think there were easier draws, um, but I think there were much harder draws as, as well. And I think that you could say that this one was probably on the better end of that scale um, for the U.S. Uh, England's one of the best teams in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that's that's it's a fun matchup um, because what was it? Two thousand. Oh, eight, ten. What was the two thousand ten? Two thousand ten yeah. was was the last one with when the uh, goalkeeper Rittai. boxed yep. the ball into the net. Robert Green, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be nice, and just obviously our countries and and yeah. kind of the the history with all that. And um, I loved like you know Pulisic was you know talking about getting to go up against like Mason Mount. Like there's like some of those little you know little individual kind of storylines too. Yeah, so that that'll be, be cool one. to watch. Then Iran. I'm not going to lie, I don't know a single thing about Iran's national team. I, I would assume they would be pretty good, though. And then, who knows with the with the other one. Scotland, Wales, Ukraine. Obviously, that's a difficult situation right now with qualifying mm-hmm. and, and just existing as a country. So there's bigger components there. But uh, I think overall, it's just exciting. It's exciting because last World Cup, obviously, we missed it. And I, I couldn't even tell you who won that world cup honestly like i i think it was france but yep. like because the us was in, wasn't in it i i just wasn't i didn't have that same passion about watching the world cup um so it was disappointing but now it, it, like i said to the before and eight on the broadcast where this is great but then i think it's it's almost just like an appetizer for the next world cup where it's at home yeah. here I'm so excited for that one. It would be great if the U.S. could get out of their group here and, and establish a little bit of that momentum uh, because of that we're hosting uh, in in four years. Uh, I'm really excited for that yeah. one. I'll tell you who won that World Cup, Jacob. It was a young, brash France team that had an absolute workhorse at the number six and a number nine that didn't score any goals. Does that sound familiar? I'm not saying the United States is going to win the World Cup. But I like that. Uh, I, I like the dynamic of a young, brash group of guys that has an absolute workhorse as number six. And I'm not putting Tyler Adams in Antonio Conte or Antonio Conte in uh, in Golo Conte's world. He's the to me the best player in the world and has been the most valuable player in the world for quite some time. But that style of player allows you to. We talked about it. Allows you to have all those other young, brash players go do the things they need to do. And, and, and carries all the water for everybody. And, uh, and, and everybody in America is freaked out about the number nine situation, which I understand. Olivier Giroud, I know because he was on my fantasy team, didn't score a single goal for that team, I don't believe, in that World Cup. And they won the whole thing. So, putting that out there, I want to go back to the, to the England thing for a second. Because I remember that, that 2010 England team wasn't as good as this one. It wasn't as talented, I don't think. But there still is this, 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 this thought process almost, well, all their guys play in England, so they must be better. And sometimes I look at their, some of their players and say, that guy plays in England because he's from England. Not necessarily because he's so much better than a guy that plays in MLS that's from America. And that team made it to the, to the Euro final here recently, we know. But the other team that played in that Euro final didn't even make it to the World Cup. So things change quickly. How far-fetched is it to think that this American team can go toe-to-toe with that England team and come out with the result and maybe even a win? You asking me? Yeah. I mean, it's not far-fetched, but that England team's good. That England team is really good. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you were to play these two teams off 100 times, England's going to win the majority of those. And I don't think that that's controversial at all to right, say right but do i think that the u.s could go in the in the world cup and beat them sure uh, absolutely yeah do. you don't need to play them 100 times you no. just need to come out and have the better performance when you do go up against them and i think the one thing that i have a lot of confidence just about within this u.s team right now is how many guys got really valuable experience and how many players it did take for them to qualify and i think that that experience is not go wasted at all whether it was injuries or other bits of adversity that the team dealt with you know guys stepped up and that's experience that's going to to come up in those big moments when you need guys to do it under you know the biggest spotlight and I think that that team has that experience right now going into this World Cup 
All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll take a break. We're gonna have Tim Melia join us on the show in just a little bit. But yes, the USA in Group B, and we know on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, <laughs> they're gonna be playing the United States. I immediately, when I got the draw, uh, went upstairs and dumped all of my wife's tea into the bathtub ceremonially as a as a way to you know get things started off I on just, the right. I foot. just want another watch party like we had. Yeah. Yes. Back in the day, those were fun. Hey, um, did you get to come down any of those? Uh, I did. Yeah, in, uh, in 2014, 2014, the Brazil one. Yep. Um, those were some of the greatest parties I've ever been to in my entire life. And honestly, that was like one of the things that when when we didn't make the World Cup last time, I was just thinking about like, man, we are going to miss out on at least three of those. And uh, and that was one of the things when we qualified this time, as much as it is all the other bigger picture stuff about soccer in America and what it means, just the idea that we're going to have at least three of those uh, coming up in November is is awesome. Well, and I got a small taste of it in 2019 mm-hmm. with the Women's World Cup. And, like, those were some of the best days, just, like, being out there with all these diehard soccer fans watching soccer, rooting on the USA. And so it's, it's going to be really exciting because I watched the – the final in 2018 with France and I was down in power and light. I had just, you know, only been in Kansas city for about a year. Um, and even the crowd for that game was, was pretty large, but obviously it pales in comparison to win, you know, our home country. So, yeah. Yeah. The only thing we all have seen in Kansas city has been a bigger party in the PNL than that was when the chiefs won yeah. the Super Bowl, And it's, it's at that level. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be so fun. All right. We'll take a break. We're going to have Tim Mulia join us when we come back. We'll also have Jacob come back in and we'll preview the Nashville SC game right after this on the sporting Kansas city show presented by Michelob ultra. You're listening to the sporting KC show on sports radio, 810 WHB. And welcome back to the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you stream your video content. We appreciate you watching, listening. Please subscribe and uh, let all your friends know about how much you love the show. And, of course, uh, maybe have yourself a nice Michelob Ultra while you're at it. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. We are joined now by the goalkeeper for Sporting Kansas City, Tim Milia. Tim, how are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, um, how are things going, first of all? I, I know the we'll, – we'll, we're going to talk about a lot of things here today, but just in general, season not off to the start that you want it to be, but a long, long way to go, we all know in this one. So how would you describe where you guys are at right now? Uh, we're building to the team we want to be. I think that's the best description of what's going on right now. Uh, we are not putting everything on the field at the same time, the things we're training. And because of that, we're, you know, we're losing games that, you know, maybe we should be drawing or getting more points off. So still very early on in the year. Um, we have a quality group. We have uh, a lot of new guys that came in. They're still getting acclimated. Um, so all positive things moving forward, but most importantly, we've had an excellent record at home, and we have another game this weekend to hopefully continue that record. And not to mention, you guys have also played a lot of games on the road. Uh, you've been excellent at home, a couple of 1-0 results in, in those back-to-back home games. How different is it you know, getting prepared for an away game, and why has it been so much diffi- so much more difficult on the road this season? I don't know. I think it's something in the past we've been pretty good at. Last year we were really good on the road, and I think that's really important. Um, getting into good playoff positions is kind of stealing points on the road. Um, I think we need to be a little bit more organized defensively, and that's something I thought we did really well in the Vancouver game. You know, we didn't give up many opportunities, if any, and you know, they got a, a fortunate goal that's kind of bouncing around and uh, the guy's opportunistic and sticks it away. But I thought that our group was very organized defensively and we didn't give a lot of things away. And if we can continue to do that throughout the course of the season, I think we'll get back to getting more positive results on the road. I'm glad to hear you describe the goal the way that you did, because as a as a soccer novice myself, I'm watching that play and it didn't. There's sometimes you watch a goal and you go, man, the other team broke us down or somebody scored a Galazzo and what are you going to do? Or sometimes you look at it and go, that guy messed up on defense and that's why they scored. And I watched that one and I just felt like that seems a little unlucky. It just kind of seems like the ball could have bounced anywhere. EC was right there trying to knock it away and, you know, fair play, um, you know, was it Raposo? I'm, I'm trying to even remember now who, you know, who, yep. who tucks it inside. I mean, it was a good little finish at the end, but I didn't come away feeling like, boy, there was a lot of screw-ups there. And I'm curious how you guys come away evaluating it. You touched on it a little bit, but do you go back and look at it and say, we should have done this differently or just sometimes 
and the ball didn't bounce the way we wanted it to that time. Uh, in that instance, I, well, first, I think you always control your own luck, right? That's something I've always kind of prided myself in. You know, when you're when you're preparing properly, when you're laying everything out on the field, you know, luck seems to go your way. Yeah. Uh, that was an instant where I thought we were really good defensively the whole game. I think we could have done things organizationally before that happened. But, I mean, what do you, what do you want Izzy to do? Izzy's got two players. The ball's kind of lofted in this awkward space. He clears it. He wins it. It banks off one player, backs back off him to another, and yeah. then it kind of just falls. So that's not uh, a play that I put a lot of stock in because things like that are just going to happen. Um, we just need to focus on really, really, especially on the road, and you know, obviously you want to do this in every game, but more so maybe on the road is give no chances away and make it really, really hard and disrupt the other team to play the style that they want when we're away from home. Okay, so now switching over to being being at home, I mentioned those back-to-back 1-0 wins. Um, what's been the key to success in that area that, that was not a scoreline that this team had at all last season? Uh, and how do you guys do it again this weekend against Nashville? Very, very good team. Uh, probably, in, in my opinion, one of the best organized team cut from back to forward. Uh, they have very dangerous players, and then they have you know your Zimmermans and your Joe Willis, who I think is a very good goalkeeper, anchoring that entire team. So... Um, Two enormous results. Um, I think the thing at our home is we have our fans. They they energize us. They they give us confidence to play the style that we want to play, and, and we all enjoy playing. and And we respect that they're coming to the games and we want to put on performance. So it is up to us to continue to do that and hopefully get a another very good result against a very good team. And they've been on the road all year. Uh, they're getting ready to open up their stadium. This organization's gone through that once before. And if you look at the record and say two two and one. Might not look like the most impressive record, but it, I tell you what, I watched that RSL game that they played, and I couldn't believe they didn't win that Pepper game. Them, yeah. um, how impressive are they to you, even even if their record doesn't indicate they're one of the best teams, considering they're on the road and all that, when you watch them, how impressive are they to you? I, I think what makes them so good is that they don't give up a lot of opportunities, yeah. so they're very, very strong defensively. And that goes back to last year, right? Yeah. Like, that's not just the little yeah. flash in the pan this year. Yeah, so I, it's something that they pride themselves on, but then they also, you know, they have the Mukhtars, they have the Leons, they have, you know, Sapong, they have guys that are going to get out and go and create and, like, push behind our defenders and stretch our team, so... They're a good group. It's going to be a very difficult game, but it's one that, you know, this is what we want. We want to play against good teams, and the fact that we're getting to do it at our home is a huge advantage to us. Okay, I'm kind of switching topics here because I got a chance to go out and be with the team in preseason in Arizona and work with the goalkeepers a little bit. I was shagging balls, probably uh, the best. You're a goalkeeper assistant. I was. I was the best goalkeeper assistant that Sporting's ever had. Also um, the shortest goalkeeper and the assistant shortest. of all time, by the way. Okay, nice. I say that as a all short right. person myself. I'm not trying to take <laughs> shots here. No, no, no. That's a very fair statement. Um, but something I noticed in training that like blew me away that I don't – I mean, I was out you know a lot last season too, but just being there every day. Alec Dufty, the goalkeeper coach, just buries the ball. Like, some yeah. absolute bangers. What is it like training with this goalkeeper group and working with Alec Dufty? Because I, I don't feel like he's a guy we ever really get to talk about a lot. I know. Alec is someone that is always positive. He is. He spends so much time preparing sessions, you know, breaking down clips of all our practice sessions, games. Alec is is huge for our goalkeeper group because he has such a great attitude he has such a great work ethic, and he's always coming up with new things, which is really hard as a goalkeeper coach because, you know, there's not a million drills you can come up with, but he always keeps everything new, loose, and he's the type of person that he wants everyone around him to be better, and he, like, forces you to be better through his positivity, and then he's obviously a quality shooter. I'm not going to give him as much credit as you've given him because I can't do that on air, but he's the type of Everybody guy. around here knows he hits bangers. I mean, he does. He has a thunderous leg. He does, and he does, and he just keeps shooting, which is even yeah. more impressive. Yeah, we're always like, why don't you take a break? Let us do no, some he's shooting. He's like, nope, I'm going to keep shooting. But incredibly powerful, a great goalkeeper coach, and someone I think I've developed really well under. So uh, so we're visiting here with Tim Melia, and, and I want to get back into the game here in a little bit, but but we've talked about this some because I'm curious what it's like from the player's perspective. The World Cup draw came out on Friday, 
And I, I know at least I, I mean, I was, I was glued to the television for the entire half hour run up that had nothing to do with an actual draw, just waiting to see where it was going to go. You guys as players watch it or anything? Did you, did you get into uh, checking out where the U.S. was going to be and all that? So we had just finished training, came inside, and we were sitting down for lunch. It was on, and I believe uh, England, Iran, and then the last team hasn't been selected yep. yet, right? Yep. Um, so we saw, we caught the end of it when we actually see all the teams were already picked, but. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I think the 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 group of this national team is so different than ones in the past. It's a group that majority of the players are playing you know abroad or very high level in the MLS, and they're a great age to continue on this cycle and potentially the next. So I think it's just up and up with the national team right now. I'm glad you brought up both sides. The the fact that we got these young guys that are playing at big clubs in Europe, and then high-level MLS players. Walker Zimmerman being one of those guys going to come to town. I mean, he has anchored the back line during some crucial performances this entire World Cup qualifying cycle. Does that make you proud? I mean, like as an MLS guy, like, yes, we have guys in this league that are that are carrying the mail for the national team right now. I think it's important, right, because I think it, we want to make the MLS the place where all those players that are the high-level internationals are still playing within the MLS. And I think that's that's starting to happen, and it's only going to get bigger and better as uh, MLS continues to grow. But we want to keep our players domestically. It'd be great that players didn't have to go abroad to get you know the opportunities that they're looking for, and they can find that kind of in their backyard. I think that's great for our country, and it's phenomenal for the league as well. Looking at the gla- uh, the game, the game globally, who are some goalkeepers that you try to emulate? Do you have a guy, maybe not even just in MLS, but yeah. you know, looking across leagues? Um, I- Maybe not as much now, but Neuer, someone that I've just always envied because he's so uh, like free with the way he plays. The sweeper keeper. Yeah. <laughs> he's just so comfortable being so far from his goal, which is like the complete opposite of every other goalie. Like you get a goalkeeper in an 18, they're fine. You put him on like the 19-yard line, and it's like fish out of water. <laughs> yeah. Can't run, can't walk straight. And Neuer is always just kind of, you know, 35, 40 yards from his goal, looking to play balls. Uh like you said, a sweeper creeper, and that's something I've always been very impressed with. How do you feel when you're outside of the penalty area? I've gotten more comfortable. Yeah. Um, but definitely, it's it's just I don't know if it's like a proximity thing or what it is, but when you get really far from something you're always so used to being close to, it's a little strange. I remember you said in an interview that I listened to one time that if you were to be a field player, you'd want to be a ten. Yep. Because you wouldn't have to track back as That's far, right. but you'd be able to like kind of you know play some balls through. Don't have uh, to run. Did you ever play anything besides goalie, or was that it? Uh, I never – I got asked this yesterday at an appearance from one of the kids. Um, I didn't. I feel like I should have. I feel like it's so important now because playing with your feet is such a large part of being a goalkeeper now where I kind of miss that phase. I wish I had done more on the field, and I feel like I can play in the MLS on the field sometimes too. I'm trying I took to, a page out of their yeah, book, by the way, yeah, with that question. Yeah. So we, we get most <laughs> of our questions kids. from the kids' uh, focus groups that we talk to. Um, I, I don't know if this analogy fits at all, but when you said that about getting outside of the penalty area, um, I was thinking, I, I, I took on the challenge of doing a small triathlon, like the, you know, the sprint distance ones, you know, twice in my life. It's just a way for me to work that in to pretend I, I was ever, uh, you know, in, in shape. But you we'll had get to, that track app data for you guys. You, you had to do like a 500-meter swim, and I'm a terrible swimmer. And I could run and bike, like, fine, but swimming, like, just getting to the point where I could swim 500 meters was psychologically and physically really difficult for me. And I remember, like, in the first one, I, I got out into the middle of a lake, and I had to, I was going to have to turn around and swim all the way back. And I'd, sw- I'd swam 500 meters in a pool, but I could, you know, if I ever got in trouble, I could grab something. And I got out to the middle of the lake, and they had, like, little buoys and, and, and like, little, like, kayaks and stuff that you could grab if you were running out of breath. And at one point, I just, like, panicked. I, I just was in a panic, and I had to grab one and just hold on for, like, 30 seconds to catch my breath. And is it, like, that just knowing in the back of my head that there was a railing I could grab onto when I was in the pool – calmed me down if you're in the penalty area you know you can pick it up you know you're like you know you can die is that what it is like you get outside of that and then all of a sudden it's like oh man the there's no safety net here now i don't know i think it's more for me it's more of an exposure thing you know playing on my feet is not the issue from being outside the 18 it's more of a 
why am I in this position? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing Something's here? Something's going wrong if I'm guy. all the way out here. <laughs> yeah. This cannot be good. <laughs> this is the, my area right here. It's clearly marked. I'm supposed to be in here. You did get so much better with your feet, though, and we have talked with you about that in the past, but I am, I am a little interested now hearing you say that since you, you were not a position player. I'm sure just reps is part of it, but did you do anything like, was there any kind of unique drill or anything like that that you did that felt like, yeah, this is, this has really helped me in that regard. So playing out of the back is not something I think you can train technically to what, to your question though, what I used to do, um, I used to do it in Salt Lake. I would go in, um, handball courts. I would take a soccer ball and I'd literally just get like six feet away from the wall and just hit it back and forth with my right foot. And when I got comfortable with that, back and forth with my left foot. And then I would take a touch, bring it across your body. And I would just do that for like an hour every day. Because when I first went to Real Salt Lake, that was my first MLS team. I was there with Nick Ramondo, whose feet were, you know, miles ahead of everyone else in the league at that point. So I felt like I needed to catch up. Um, so I felt like I, that's where I learned the technical aspect of it. But playing out of the back has nothing to do with technique most of the time. Because if you think about it, if you are able to like slow your mind down and fully pick your like pause a play and go, mm -hmm. okay, Zeus is eight yards away from me right there. Can I pay, can I complete that pass? Of course you can. Anyone playing professional soccer can do that. But it's in the moment when people are running at you. You're close to the goal. You know, are you up or down a goal? And you start adding all those other variables. All of a sudden, you don't see Zeus there. So it's a it's a thing where you need to learn. You need to like slow your mind down, and you need to be able to like, pick your head up understand like what's risk reward versus what balls you're playing and make sure you're not making mistakes but to me it's just it's a repetition that has to happen within a game not in training it's the tactical awareness yeah. what kind of position am i going to put zeus in if i play him the ball yeah. right here i am amazed when i come out to training and watch the split second decision making that's being made all the time and i told that to jacob one time when we were watching training and he said you know, you don't realize it, but, but, but when you do it as often as these guys do, a lot of this stuff they're almost not even thinking about yeah. because they've done it so many times. Do you, are you at the point where you mostly feel that I way? Feel, yeah, now I feel like I'm getting better and I still need to get a lot better, but a lot of the times now I'm not even thinking about where the ball's going. It's where is it going from there. So, mm -hmm. like, I know I'm, I'm comfortable now knowing that that person's in my peripheral, wherever that individual is, but where is the next ball going? And that, I think that's when you start – yeah, you know, getting better and better with playing. Well, and it's, you know, it's not just like those short passes, like you said. I, I remember in the Vancouver game, I heard Peter a couple of times calling for you to look for that yeah. long switch. So when you're trying to balance, like how much of that is in that in real time? Okay, Peter's calling for this, but like, do you feel like it's on or, or how are you kind of processing those decisions in real time? Um, so it's, it's hard to hear people. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely hear him, and I'm standing yeah. right behind him. So. so I don't hear a lot. Of, even, you know, your center back's usually the closest person to me. There's times where Fonty's talking to me, and I don't hear him, or I'm talking to him. So a lot of it is just being able to, when you don't have the ball, know where everybody is and know where they're potentially going to move to within reason. Um, there was a lot of space uh, with the way that uh, Vancouver line was playing for those clip balls into the behind, and we didn't utilize it enough, and we didn't take advantage of it enough. I mean, Kyrie almost had an opportunity right at the end of the game. But um, it, it's more about just, you know, can you take little, like, snapshots and then get back to what you're doing and still recognize where the snapshots are? Okay, what about the part of the game when, because you spend a lot of time in this position, the whole game's at the other end of the field. Because sporting, obviously, they spend a lot of time with the ball in the attacking half, knocking the ball around and all that. What are you thinking about at that time, and what are you seeing, and, and how are you processing everything when you're like the only guy on the other side of the field? Worst case scenario. I mean, that's always your, your mindset as a goalkeeper. You know, are you balanced? Is there, you know, did a fullback just make a run up the field, and then our center back has to become that, you know, occupy that fullback space, and the other center back's got to come over, and the fullback's got to come in. So a lot of it's just balancing everyone. So in the event the ball turns over, our guys are in good position to either win the ball back, break up a tackle, foul someone, or whatever it is. So you're, you're directing traffic. I mean, you're talking to them. Can they hear you from I think that they far can. away? I think usually I always try to focus on just getting one person anchored. So, like, your center person this is what I want because if something breaks down, there's always one person that can at a minimum delay the game a little bit and allow the rest of the team to get back in shape. Um, I'm always yelling. You guys know that. Uh, does everyone hear me all the time? Probably not. <laughs> well, I 
this I'm just like laughing in my head because I'm thinking of like hearing you can I can always hear you guys at training the keepers if I can't hear anyone else I can always hear the keepers John Polskamp's got quite a voice yes, on he does. it <laughs> he's very uh, your thoughts no. <laughs> <laughs> um no one other question that I had just as it relates to like your role on the team I know last year as you guys were getting ready for the playoffs you kind of stepped up to the penalty spot a couple times uh Buried a few of them there. Is that uh, a goal of yours at some point? I know we're not really in that position. MLS Next Pro, though, there's going to be a lot know, of penalties going on. I'm calling that game on Sunday. That's a pretty cool little setup they have. I, I would love to take a penalty. I, I think everybody, everybody knows that. I, I would love the opportunity to do it. I had my, I guess I would have had my opportunity in 2015, but I was on the sideline at that point. But um, who knows what will happen, though, right? When you actually have to do it, it's easy to do anything in training. But when you actually yeah. have to do it with pressure, it's a much different situation. So uh, You're going top corner. I know it. I, I, I've seen it happen. I know it's – I'm not telling them which, which corner, but it's going to one of the top corners. Hey, Tim, uh, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Um, I, I, like you said, this, this is a big one coming up this weekend. It's going to be a good game, two really good teams going at it. With similar with, – with, with some, some – well, I don't know what you want to call it. There, there's there's connections. There's a yeah. lot of connections yeah. there between the two teams, so it should be fun. We appreciate the time, man. Good luck. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Tim. That is Tim Melio. We're going to be rejoined by Jacob Peterson as we preview this game with Nashville. There's a lot of connections, like I said, between these two clubs, and Jacob's got some connections that go back even to previous clubs before that as well. So we'll get into all that as we come back on the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, and wherever you get your podcasts and stream your video content presented, as always, by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Just had a great conversation with Tim Melia, and we got Jacob Peterson back in here. And uh, you and Tim are kind of close. I think you guys are buddies a little bit. You've spent a lot of time with him over the years. Um, that conversation we had about the tactical awareness it takes to play out of the back. He, I thought that was really interesting because he, he said, I, I, I was thinking of playing out of the back as a goalkeeper being a, a technical situation where you got to work on your foot skills. But he said it was more about the tactical awareness of it, knowing where to go with the ball and thinking the game at all times. Um, does, I guess that doesn't, as a player, maybe not surprise you to hear, but um, what are your thoughts on that whole situation and his progression in that, uh, in that part of his game? Well, I, I do think he's selling himself a little bit short. It is technical. Not every goalie can play. Not, just because you know where the pass should go doesn't mean you can actually execute that pass. Right. And Tim's feet are really good to where he can execute basically any pass out there out on the field. Even the tough, that, that diagonal ball that he chips up to the fullbacks along the touchline, that to me does not – he makes that look like an easy pass, but he, he puts it on the money every time. Well, ex- especially as someone who's as powerful as Tim to then be able to just kind of – with that little <laughs> precision, little dink over there. I mean, so much of it, though, is about having the confidence to do, to do that and, and just say, hey, I know I could lose it here, but this is how we want to play. This is the system that, that – you know the the coaching staff and we've all agreed upon and it it does put pressure on you but because Tim's so confident one because he's really good but two you have to have that internal confidence to say hey I'm going to play it to my number 6 right here even though you know you got three guys kind of surrounding him I know that that ball is basically coming right back to me and then I have to figure out what to do with it as I have two guys chasing mm-hmm. down on me I mean that that's hard enough to do in the middle of the field if you're a midfielder or as a winger where I'm getting the ball out, out wide and the fact that Tim's comfortable enough to do that in his own box where, hey, one mistake. Yeah, and it it's gets intercepted goal. and it's on you. It, yeah. Exactly. Um, it just speaks to how confident he is and how good he is as a player overall. We all know how good of a shot stopper he is, but that part is, I think, a very underappreciated aspect of his game. The other thing about like the confidence that stands out to me is when he said it's not just when I play the ball to like Zeus, for example. He's not just thinking about that singular pass to Zeus. He's thinking about what Zeus he's going to do with the ball next. And I think you know sometimes you can sense a, a goalkeeper's confidence with the ball at their foot when it starts to look a little hot potato-ish where you can clearly see that they're not really thinking about where that player is going with the ball after that. But it's very evident when you watch Tim distribute that he is thinking at that you know, a step ahead of just that 
that action. That, remind, that reminded me of when quarterbacks talk about how they're the guy on the field that knows everybody's responsibility when you're calling a play. Not just like like maybe the, the guard knows his responsibility, but the quarterback knows everybody on the field. Kind of reminded me of that when he was saying that. I would say, to, to Allie's point, um, the legendary uh, Ziggy Schmidt would always say when, when he was a coach of mine with the national teams when I, when I was younger, that don't don't think about, hey, I'm a good player if I connect a pass to you. Think about how many times you connect the next pass. Am I putting mm-hmm. you in a position to succeed? I love that. Because that, to me, that mm-hmm. what he was saying, that, that is the sign of a, a good player. When you watch a player, how many times is it him setting him up, mm-hmm. up his teammate to make the next pass? And speaks to the, the point that Tim was saying, too. Yeah, I'm not a good player because <laughs> I, I can see, like, who's open near me and I'm going to get them the ball. And, and that's, like, as far as I can see the field. And I mean that, like, these guys, the way, the way they see and understand what's happening with all 22 moving parts is pretty incredible. But is that, like, it is that combination, though, of, like, that tactical awareness, but that confidence as well because you need that confidence to, to think beyond just the, the action that you are directly responsible for making in that mm-hmm. moment. And I think when you have that confidence, it's you're not thinking as hard about that one because you know that the the main concern in your head is, well, when that ball gets there, where's it going next? Yeah. And you know, I, I think it was really cool to hear Tim talk about some of that because it, it is amazing how much of that you know he's developed in his game. And I I've heard him talk about before too. That's something that young goalkeepers now are are coming up through the you know through the ranks, having already established, and was not at all a focus when he was growing up as a goalkeeper it's like how far can you kick it how far can you punt it you know it was it was how quickly can you get the ball out of you know this dangerous area that you're tasked with protecting and now it's so much a part of the game and the development of young goalkeepers to be really good with the ball on your foot and he said it a little bit but I mean he's got to be yelling because he sees the whole field he he can see it where you know half the guys well Tim has the ball almost everybody mm-hmm. has their back to the majority mm-hmm. of the field right and as a goalkeeper, you're directing, you're constantly yelling. I mean, how many times post-game interviews, Tim's voice is gone because he's <laughs> constantly yelling, which is an underrated part uh, of the goalkeeper position. But I think Tim's teaching uh, John Polskamp some because, yeah. as you guys said, both those guys can certainly yell. Yeah, they've got yeah. they've got the lungs. And But I, I do like the comparison that you make to a quarterback because I do think that there are similarities just in – field vision alone what you can see that no one else around you can see and then how you take what you're looking at given that you might not be able to hear everyone around you and what you're hearing from the sideline or other players on the field and being able to like take those snapshots like Tim said of hey here's you know just how the the game's kind of playing out and here's where this player might be moving next I mean that's in real time it was just really cool to hear him kind of talk about some of that stuff all right before we run out of time let's talk about this Nashville team a little bit so many uh crossed paths here between Mike Jacobs, who, who was here being the general manager, and Chance Myers being the director of player personnel now. C.J. Sapong is on the team. And as I was getting ready looking through the notes, assistant coach Steve Guppy, who I don't – I have to be honest, I don't know that his name would have ever jumped out to me until you – he's the one that told – was he the one that with the quote that before we outplay him, we got to outwork him? And I keep – now that that's like my quote. I give that to my kids every game now before their games because you gave me that. So you've, you've got a lot of connections with this team as well, not to mention their head coach. Yeah, I do. I played in Colorado under Gary Smith uh, and Steve Guppy, obviously. Um, Chance, of course, a friend and a teammate. Mike Jacobs, who is here. C.J. Teal Bunbury yeah. is also there coming back. Uh, Jake Brownback was their head trainer there, was an assistant trainer over here. So there there certainly are a lot of connections, which is cool. Um, it's fun, you know, down on the field before the game, the guys will get together and talk. Um, after the game, I'm sure some guys, depending on how long Nashville stay in, will we'll grab a beer or whatever. But, again, it it's, it's similar to, I mean, you know how I say, when you play your former team. Right. There's always that that extra little bit of of motivation. So CJ coming back, I'd expect CJ is going to be buzzing for this one. I mean, fan favorite here. Awesome guy. Great human being um, lives on his in his own world, which <laughs> uh, I respect so much from Siege, um, but also a really good player. I, I I don't think he's gotten the the love that he has that he deserved over his career. Um, you know, maybe part of that 
maybe a little of that Kyrie Shelton where he doesn't score as much as as maybe some guys would would think that he should, but he does so many other things for the team and just his work and his ability to hold the hold the ball and press and make unselfish runs. Uh, CJ's always done that, and that's why I loved having him as a teammate. Um, whether he can play up top or out on the wing with Dashville, he's playing up top, but he serves a, a really good role for them because their team is all about defense, really, first and foremost, especially on the road. They're so good on the road, but they're just steady. They're hard to break down. They've got good veteran MLS leaders, experienced players all over the field. Uh, Dax, will, Dax won't be involved in this one, but Sean Davis, great player that they brought over in free agency from from the Red Bulls. I can't believe that New York let him go. Uh, Godoy, awesome player that San Jose let go of there. Um, Romney, Eric Miller, Walker Zimmerman, just they have so many really good MLS players who they've kind of picked off of other teams, and they don't have a whole lot of foreign players that, that come into it, but the one foreign player that they do have – Hani Mukhtar is yeah. one of the best in the league. So, so good. This is a really good team. Joe Willis in goal. They they have just have a lot of good players. It's why they're so hard to beat, especially on the road, because they're in this crazy road spell. The, yeah. This swing of first ten games yeah. or whatever on the road, and that's difficult. But they're five hundred right now because they are so good on the road. Yeah. No, it's I. I'm really impressed with what I've seen from this group, especially considering that they have had to start the season on the road. And in their last game against the crew, I thought it was interesting. They got outshot 19 to six, yet still were able to walk away with a one nothing result. So it just kind of showed that even when teams are maybe generating some chances, I don't think that Columbus had a lot of quality chances, but even with that pressure, defensively on the road they're able to withstand that and then turn around and and be opportunistic and get a goal of their own so I think it's going to be a really tough opponent for sporting expansion teams some seem to hit the ground running and some seem to struggle for a few years before they get it going they put that defense together first they made themselves hard to beat and then grew into a team that can beat other teams as well they were tied with Seattle last year for fewest goals conceded they're off to that same kind of start this year going to be a lot of fun 7:30 on Saturday Children's Mercy Park get your tickets if you don't have them already Sporting Kansas City are 2 and 0 at home Two one-nil victories. They need to keep winning at home. They need your support as well. So sportingkc.com for your tickets. And of course, we'll be on the air at seven o'clock on the Sporting KC app. This is the first time we get to stream a home game. Yeah. By the way, so it's going to be streaming in Kansas and Missouri for free on the Sporting KC app. Sportingkc.com. You can watch it on thirty-eight the spot and listen on Sports Radio eight ten WHB as well. So for Jacob Peterson and Ali Trost, Timilia joining us as well. And Jordan Burrell putting this show together and making sure that our Michelob Ultras are perfectly framed. This is Nate Bucati saying, we'll see you next time on the Sporting Kansas City Show.